eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but an excellent one. Ty Schmidt is the producer as well as a member of the on-air team of the Pat McAfee Show. I think you're certainly aware of who Pat McAfee is. The Pat McAfee Show will now air live weekdays, launching on all the ESPN platforms Thursday, September 7th, same day that the 2023 NFL season kicks off. The show will be simulcast from noon to 2 Eastern on ESPN, ESPN on YouTube, and ESPN Plus, with the final 2 to 3 p.m. hour Eastern time airing on ESPN, on YouTube, as well as ESPN Plus. Ty Schmidt is a very, very talented guy and an interesting guy, and we get into a ton about his responsibility and role on the McAfee Show, how things come together on that show. We get into booking a little bit, which is just always an interesting uh conversation when it comes to the people who have to uh book guests um and then just do this a discussion on what the expectation is for that show which is essentially you know been a youtube phenomenon now heading to espn now heading to legacy media and also ty's own individual story um which is pretty awesome he uh he was one of 1500 people who uh, applied for an internship with pat in uh, 2017 or so literally moved to Indianapolis to to try to get that internship, got it, and uh, was hired full-time by that group and uh, has now become uh, a prominent on-air player. So, uh, you know, he's from the Fred Van Vliet School of Bet on Yourself, which is, which is always impressive. All right, so Ty Schmidt of the Pat McAfee Show coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, so I, as I said at the top, Ty Schmidt is the producer as well as an on-air personality 
of the Pat McAfee show. I, I am sure most of my listeners have heard of Pat McAfee. And ESPN, as you may have read, acquired the Pat McAfee Enterprise. And they will now be airing live weekdays on multiple ESPN platforms. The show debuts September 7th, the same day as the 2023 NFL season. show will be simulcast from noon to 2 Eastern time on ESPN, ESPN on YouTube, and ESPN Plus. With the final 2 to 3 p.m. hour Eastern time airing on ESPN on YouTube and ESPN Plus. This is a very, very big initiative for ESPN to bring the McAfee show over. And I am pleased to be joined by Ty Schmidt, producer of that show and an on-air personality as well. Ty, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, we've been trying to kind of get this on the books for a while here. And as you can kind of imagine, you know, our schedule is pretty up in the air and, and in flux, so it's been hard to kind of nail down a time. But I'm, I'm happy to be on here with you and, and happy to be chatting with you. This is what happens when people go to ESPN. Ty, it's harder to get them. You have like you got all your handlers. You know you can't get people anymore. This, uh, um, this is this is startup. All right, so here I want to start here because you know having talked to a lot of there's been a lot of producers who have been on this podcast, but many of them have like the traditional producer role, particularly if like they're a game producer, like they're behind the scenes in a production truck, and they sort of direct or they have they're the choreographer of the show. You're kind of unique in that your 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 job title is producer, yet if anybody watched the McAfee show, you're you're a cast member. You're on air. So go as long as you want, but um what are your responsibilities for the McAfee show? Because they are unique in that you're both on air as well as clearly you do stuff you do stuff off air. Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know, and any anyone who is actually on air, I think would consider themselves a producer as well. So, like we have we have our guys like uh, Evan Fox and, and Zito who are, you know, behind the scenes and cutting cameras. And, and Zito does a lot of like, the traditional production stuff in terms of setting up everything we need tech wise. Um, but in terms of like pre-show planning, you know, uh, the Connor who sits with me at the toxic table, Connor Campbell, he kind of he produces like the the rundown of the show. So, you know, we have this big group text that, that's just everything on x now you know all, all the pertinent news stories and kind of just the the general flow of like what everyone on the internet's talking about so we all are sending stuff in there to kind of compile like a, a loose skeleton of what the show will be like um so it's it's that kind of stuff just kind of being prepared where hey if any topic comes up like you know like you mentioned we are on camera we are on sh- on the show we're part of the cast so you kind of have to be able to whatever topic comes up, you you need to kind of be a little bit well-versed or at least be able to carry a conversation for for a little bit about it. So that's a lot of like the pre-show stuff that goes into it. And then booking too, you know, that uh, Pat has mentioned it on the show. And it's one of like the, one of the reasons he wanted to go to ESPN is the booking, you know, as you know, is just, it's a pain in the ass. I mean, you, whether it's, you know, booking two weeks in advance and then something falls through. So you have this, you have the show planned and then you're supposed to have three guests and all of a sudden you don't have any. And then the morning of, you know, three hours before we go on air, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? You know, so we kind of all spitball. Well, you know, I think so-and-so could be great to talk about this topic or, you know, th- this would be an interesting 
conversation today. Um, and I, I wouldn't say, you know, the, the lion's share of the booking definitely comes down to, to Pat and, and Zito helps a lot with that. But, you know, earlier, um, er, like in the earlier days of the show, I would say we would also reach out to people on like Twitter and, or, you know, the various like phone numbers that we have gotten through publicists or that kind of stuff to kind of try to piece the show together. But it's just difficult because, you know, like, yeah, while we're on the show, you know, you, you get a, a random DM on Instagram or, or Twitter, you know, two hours before you're asking someone to come on the show. Like a lot of times that falls by the wayside. So it's kind of just it's one of those things where, you know, Pat Pat's running the show. Obviously, he's running the company. And as all of our roles, you know, in terms of being like a producer is just kind of fill in the blank sp spaces and and help as much as we can to kind of make sure that once we are on air, the show goes as, you know, as smooth as possible. I want to get into booking in a little bit because that's interesting to me. Um, so we'll go back to that. Prior to that, though, you mentioned that um, there's essentially like a running text that everybody is part of and you're kicking um, ideas around. The reality of a show like yours is it has to be organic and it has to feel spontaneous because you're having conversations that in, that are not pre-planned. That said, um, even shows that really come off spontaneous or organic have like pre-show meetings. So in addition to like this extended text chain, Slack chain, like are, is there a time in the morning where you guys all sit down at a conference table or somewhere and sort of at least sketch out what you think the show may be that day? Not really. Um, I would say like, so we have an area down here in our office called the think tank where it's basically just like a big bar. And then we have, you know, like nine TVs in front of us. And uh, we kind of all just like right, right when we get here in the morning or after people are, are done working out in the gym or whatever, we'll go over there and kind of everyone saddles up and we're all just on our computers on, on Twitter and, and reading different articles and stuff like that. And it's just a, uh, it's just a free flowing conversation. You know, it's the same one we have every day, but it's never really something like, Oh, Hey, you know, we should, we should definitely start the show with this and do this in the a block or do this in the B block. Like we've kind of learned a couple of the different places we've been, you know, throughout the, the timeline here of doing the show. Like that has been a very strong suggestion. Like, well, Hey, you know, you, you got to talk Cowboys and, and Giants or whatever in, in the A block because that's what people want to hear. And then you can do whatever you want in the B block, but then you usually at the top of the hour, you got to come back to the Cowboys. And I don't want to say we really tried that because Pat's just been a big like, hey, whatever I'm interested in, whatever I think's funny or, you know, like topical or what I care about, like that's what we're going to that's what we're going to talk about. And I think that's something that we've you know, I mean, at this point, we've we've been doing this for what, about six years or, you know, five or six years. So like our rapport and kind of just being able to like go with the flow, like we don't really need to have pre-show meetings because once we get up there, like it is easy to just I mean, we're kind of just shooting the shit, you know, we're just we're just bullshitting and, and throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think if we did you know, like, I think, I think that's a big reason why people enjoy the show. Cause it does feel like you're just with your, your buddies at like the bar or sitting in someone's basement, you know, just talking about sports or whatever. And I think if we really did try to have a much more like structured, Oh, we got to go, we got to talk about this. And then we got to talk about this. And then we got to talk about this. 
it would just come off very disingenuous, and I think people would hate it. The interesting thing about what you guys have done prior to ESPN, I mean, there's obviously a lot of interesting things you've done, but one thing that is real is that you have like real time data on who is watching the show. Like, there's a legitimate like counter that says this many people are watching the show now. And I wonder, and maybe this was more apparent when you, um, you know, you got you first started, but like, how does that factor into what you do? Because like, what's interesting there is like you can get real time data in terms of like what's working, or like the converse of like you get real time data if like all of a sudden you see ten thousand people, let's say, just drop out of nowhere. Um, in some ways, it's incredible data, but also at the same time, right? You don't want to be. Um, you don't want to be married to that data so that that's all you're paying attention to. How do you in how would you, how do you see that in your position given that you're you're literally getting this kind of feedback live and in real time? Yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, I mean like we're, you're definitely aware of it. It's one of those things where, you know, when we were first starting the show and it was just a podcast and we weren't doing the live show, like there was the the whole whole deal with, you know, a lot of people are were juicing their podcast numbers where it's like, you'd see the amount of downloads people have. And, and for some, for some of the stuff, it'd be like, well, there's no way that can be true. You know, it's just like, cause you look at engagement on Twitter and like how people are interacting with the stuff. And it's like, well, some, something here just doesn't add up. There's, there's no way that could be true. Um, but then, yeah, when, when you get on, you know, YouTube and you're doing YouTube live, like there's a legitimate, there's a scoreboard there, you know, it's like, okay, you can, you can exactly see how many people are watching, like the amount of comments that are in there, the amount of people that are commenting live playbacks, all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of compare it to, you know, whatever, what everyone else is doing. And I would say like, you know, that's something that I, I never really focus on, you know, every once in a while you'll see, like when we had, uh, when we had Aaron Rodgers on and it was right after his darkness retreat and he you know, made it known that like, Hey, my intention is not to retire. I want to go play for the New York jets. I think we had like 500,000 people watching live. Um, and I think I want to say it was the biggest live show, uh, live sports show in the history of YouTube. So like stuff like that, you're obviously cognizant and aware of, um, and, and definitely Pat is, you know, he, he's much more aware of that because he's, he's in all the business dealings, you know, he doesn't have anyone representing him. So it's like, he has to be in the weeds on all that kind of stuff and know exactly how many people are watching, you know, like year over year, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say above my head, but just like, you know, I mean, he's, he's very, he's very good at, at understanding like how to, how to use that in you know, to his advantage. So I wouldn't say that it's ever the type of thing where we're talking about something and you look at the numbers and it's like, Oh, we just lost 10,000 people. Like we should, we need to divert and talk about something else, but it is, um, it's pretty easy when like you have a show like that Rogers one to know like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, we, th this was, this was a massive deal. And, and that kind of, that went for a lot of those Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays we had, you know, over the course of, when we've had him on, obviously him winning, you know, back-to-back -back MVPs, like a lot more people were just kind of invested in in what he had to say. So like, you'd see a massive bump in numbers on certain days when certain guests are on, but I wouldn't say that the numbers or the amount of people watching has ever really swayed or, or changed, you know, like the actual content of the show. Yeah. You, you, um, 
You mentioned Pat uh, represents himself. I know he used to be with CAA. That That's really impressive because it is, I can tell you, someone obviously has been writing this for a long time, that is very rare for someone at his level to be going solo, although good on him. He doesn't have to give the 5% or whatever um, <laughs> right. that he would. Uh, so he's smart for that. And at this point, you know, he, 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 I think he understands his value and leverage. One of the things you mentioned was booking. And I want to get into this because any of us at any level, whether it's at, you know, your level of show or, you know, this mediocre, uh, uh, media, media podcast, we all have to book and it sucks. Um, and I heard Pat actually, as we are taping this this week, he was talking about how much it sucks to like cold DM somebody, cold email somebody. And I saw that I was watching and I was laughing because I've had to do that with Pat a couple of times and it sucks mm-hmm. uh, because like one, the, the, the reality is like I'm either asking for something or I kind of want something from him. Like he's not texting me to say, Oh, hey, Deitch, what's what's going on, man? How's life in Toronto? Like, no, it's me getting in touch with him. And I have tried very hard. Uh, I can't say I'm close with Pat. We've exchanged texts a couple of times. I have tried very hard to let him know that I would only try to contact him when I really had a question for him of note or needed something. But I'm not going to fucking lie. Like, I always feel like a schmuck doing it because, like, the it's just you're reaching out to a person. You don't know what they're doing or where they are. And you are the one asking for something. So I, I found it fascinating and in a way kind of good that he was feeling the same thing that I felt because I had to do it with him a couple of times. Um, but for you, you probably have to do this more regularly. And I just wonder for you, and this is where it gets interesting. And I heard him talking about, you know, having a booker at ESPN, paying that booker a shitload of money. But Ty, the one thing I would think, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is as the show's popularity grew, did it at least get a little bit easier in that you didn't have to explain exactly like what the show is and maybe people had a sense of it? So in some ways, one, they're familiar with your content, but even more than that, I think they're familiar with like the value of the publicity of being on the show. So in 2023, is it easier to book for you than it was, let's say, in 2018? Uh, I would say for sure. But again, like, I, I wouldn't say that I'm doing that nearly as much as like, uh, like Pat obviously is, is texting, a, you know, a bunch of people and, and Zito is kind of the one who like, whether it's like NFL teams, publicists and, and things like that. So I think the the easiest part is like that we've done this for so long. Now we kind of have like a database, like, you know, we just have a show phone where we have all the all phone numbers from people we've previously had on stored in there. So um, and obviously like, you know, we, we tend to like, we have recurring guests, you know, like we will, we definitely have new people on the show for sure. But, um, like we, we like to go back to the well with people who we know we're going to have a good conversation with who we know, understand the show. And it's not going to be like, there's no gotcha bullshit. Pat's not trying to get anyone on and like, just try to grab some sound bite that's going to go big on, on Twitter, you know, something that's going to get a bunch of clicks. Um, but I don't, I don't know that. I think I want to say that it was easy from the get go in the sense that I don't think I ever really had to like explain, explain the show. You know, I think, I think people knew what Pat was about. They kind of knew his personality and, um, it would just be one of those things where you just ask them if they wanted to come on. And I think they could kind of tell, like if they had seen clips from the show, like they, they kind of knew the vibe and like, okay, this is going to be fun. It's probably going to be a little bit different than most of the, 
traditional interviews that you get. And like, we are just looking to shoot the shit and, you know, like make people laugh and, and, you know, like, yeah, hopefully, um, there's a good conversation that kind of spawns from that and it's organic and funny, but in terms of like now, I think, you know, it's, it's the same deal. It's tough because we are primary, primarily an NFL show. So anytime you're booking players, you know, there's, Oh, well, they're only doing media this day or, uh, this is their, off. so you guys have, you have to deal with that same shit too. Like go through the PR department or go through an agent. It, it, or exactly. Like and I think, you know, for Pat, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but it's one of those things where like, a lot of these people that he would have to ask to come on the show, like he knows them, you know, it's like, so it's like you're asking someone who, you know, whether it just it, it be an acquaintance or like a friend, it's like, Hey, I know that I'm, I'm asking you to take time out of your schedule to, to kind of do me a favor and come on the show. So like, I understand like the being uncomfortable about that, but yeah, like m- most of the stuff that, that we have run in with now is, is more so that kind of stuff where it's like, it's always difficult during the season. So like, let's say after a Monday night, you know, like a player on the, the, the bears or whatever has an unbelievable game and you want to get him on Tuesday morning. Like it just, that turnaround is so difficult. And for the longest time, I mean, we'll see maybe that, that I think that I personally think that's going to change for you now because of where you're about to work. And that's what I was going to say is I think, you know, now that we're with ESPN or going to be with ESPN, and kind of considered traditional media, like we will kind of be moved to the, to the front of the line in that aspect. But it always was, you know, like these, these people, these players, like they may have known Pat, but if you're going through um, like agents or publicists, like we're still some independent show, you know, and it's like, you can send them numbers of like, well, yeah, we may be an independent show, but like a lot of people are watching this. Like, you know, if you want to get this guy on here, like a lot, a lot of eyes are going to be on this, but we've gotten a lot of like, well, yeah, everyone says they have those numbers or we're getting a lot of these requests right now. So like, sorry, we'll try to get him in, but it's not going to work like that. So we'll see. I, I would imagine. I mean, I hope that's the case. You hope that booking gets a little bit easier when we go to ESPN. But again, you know, we've been doing this long enough now where you kind of bu- bookings, a it's a fucking tough thing. So, you, you, you know, you, I, I get where, where how difficult it can be, and I just I hope that it gets a little bit easier moving forward. It will. I mean, there's a number of reasons why. Again, one, where you're work, where you're working now, you're a rights holder partner with so many different leagues and places, and that alone has real value. Secondly, you're now going to be entering a space where a lot of the people you're dealing with, like no ESPN, like they've either grown up with it, they've watched it, it means something to them, and I just think the sell is easier. Um, because it's just easier for those people to say, hey, you know, McAfee Show wants you. It's going to air live at, you know, on ESPN at 12 o'clock. You know, whatever. It just, it's, uh, my sense is that that will be, knock on wood, should be a little bit um, easier. The, um, you know, we read a lot about, um, you know, someone like whatever, the summer of McAfee before you guys finally sort of announced that you were going to ESPN. And Pat has been very, very clear about, um, you know, he met with different um, companies. He he took meetings with a lot of different people. I know meeting the suits is not his thing, but he had to do it when it came to this stuff. So now that you know where your destination is, like how much was the team like um, kept up to date? Like, are you knowing every time Pat is talking to like a potential employer or 
does he keep that close to him? And then at a certain point when it's lay, let's say really close to ESPN, like that's when he lets the less, let rest of the group know. So how, like what, for, if you can give my listeners a sense of like, how much did you know about as like this process was going along? Uh, no, it's, it's pretty cool. He, he, Pat, Pat shares a lot of that stuff with us. He, he keeps us in the loop. Um, you know, just because, and he, he said it on the air a bunch, you know, which we all really appreciate. Uh, it's like when he's making these decisions, like he's not, he's not just making it for himself. You know what I mean? It's like a lot, you know, I have a wife and a, and a daughter and like, we have a couple other guys in here who have babies and obviously Pat's Pat just had a baby not too long ago or, or have babies on the way or people who are getting married or, you know, or buying houses or whatever the case may be. So I think, um, he's, he's very open about that stuff with us, you know, not necessarily in turn, you know, because again, it's, it's his company. I mean, we work for him. So it's, it's not necessarily like he's like, Oh, well, should I do this bouncing ideas? But he, he keeps us in the loop big time. And I think it's one of those things too, where, you know, we've been working for him for six years now. And it's like every step of the way, um, when there's been some sort of massive change, you know, like, people can say what they want online. Like, Oh, this, you know, I, I don't know why you would be doing this. They're in such a good spot. Like he's, he's hit it out of the park with every single move we've made. Like we all, we all trust him, you know, with our lives and, and would, and would go to war with him regardless. So it's like, um, it's, it's pretty cool knowing that he tr- also trusts us enough to kind of let us in on, on what's going on. Like as talks kind of, progress so so yeah he's he's very open and honest about everything that's going on with all of us can i ask did he solicit your opinions when he would present potential places to go like uh they say he'd be like ty i just talked to x um i'm seriously thinking about this what do you think does it get does he bring you guys in on like that kind of um granular level I think, you know, like he, I mean, he's had very, yeah, like open and honest conversations where like people can kind of sound off and, and, you know, speak their mind. But again, it's one of those things where I don't think like Pat's, and this is something that I think now he's starting to get credit for, but you know, when we first started, definitely didn't get credit card, uh, didn't get credit for It's like, Oh, everyone just assumes like, Oh, he's just this brash asshole wearing a tank top. But like, He's so business savvy and, you know, and like he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's fucking talking about. So it's one of those things where, like, I think all of us kind of you put your trust in him because you know that, hey, like, guess what? Every step of the way so far when we've pivoted or or made a change, like it's been the right move for the company. And um, I I don't think there was any trepidation really with anyone here with ESPN. You know, it's like it's one of those things where you kind of have to pinch yourself. I mean, shit growing up, you know, it's like every kid's dream. If you love sports, you know, it's like, Oh, to, to be Dan Patrick and host sports center one day, or, or, you know, whatever the case may be like a lot of us here, like that, that was a dream growing up. So it's, you know, yeah, people can say what they want about ESPN and the way it's changed over the last several years or, or decade or whatever. But, still to say that, you know, you're going to work for like the, the thought of being on ESPN every single day, starting here next week. Like it's just, I mean, it's surreal. Yeah. It's first of all, it's, uh, you know, like anybody else who's unfortunately on, uh, Musk's site too much, you know, you see all, um, you see all the comments, uh, you know, these guys have sold out, they're 
giving up what made him unique. It's the wrong way to think about it. Nobody in their right mind would turn down a massive offer like this to go to ESPN. Because even if it doesn't work out, you have then been at ESPN, you have made a shitload of money from ESPN, and you can then take your product elsewhere, and it has now been amplified by ESPN. So, again, I don't got to sit there and read all the mentions like someone like McAfee does, which must suck because it gets in your head. But it's just, it just, anybody criticizing it to me, just in my opinion, just shows a lack of understanding about the larger business at hand. So that's part one. Part two, are you still a company employee or do you now, are you now an ESPN employee? Meaning that like you would have to go through all the ESPN orientation and. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think all all of us are, you know, at least I haven't been made aware of that, but no, all, all of us. So you're, so you're paid and you work for Pat's company, which is even better. Yeah. So you're. So then this, trust me, Ty, there's some way, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Genius at work. So here's one of my thoughts as to why I think your show has been so successful. I mean, obviously, the big reason is McAfee, people like him, he's engaging, he's a very unique figure. All, I mean, he was, you know, named him the Athletics Media Person here. All, all true, and you can read everything about it. But I think one of the things that probably has not been talked about enough is, I think the fact that you guys are in Indianapolis, in the middle of the country, gives you such a unique perspective on sports where everything for the most part is either coming out of New York, uh, like the New York Eastern kind of, you know, East Coast bias kind of feel on certain sports or go to the other coast, right? And everything is sort of LA centric and based there. College football obviously has its roots in the South. And so you watch the SEC network, get a little bit of that. But you guys, I think are positioned so uniquely in that you don't, you haven't been impacted like by the ESPNization of sports and you haven't been impacted by like the Hollywoodization of sports. And I think people can relate to you guys. This is just my five cent theory because literally you are in the middle of the country and you have just a different perspective on like why sports is important and why you love it and why it's a unifier. I don't know if you've ever, I know you're a University of Iowa grad, Ty, so I don't know if you've thought about this a lot. But I think that's one of the reasons what makes your show different is when I watch it, I don't think like, oh, these dudes all grew up, uh, you know, in Boston or whatever, and they got to take care. All these dudes grew up in California and they feel like that. It feels like something unique to me that I don't often see on like major sports uh, television or programming. And that's what, in my opinion, that's one of the reasons I think you've, you've, you guys have figured out. That's one of your secret sauces to me. How do you see that? No, yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, like you mentioned, I'm from I'm from Iowa, you know, so it's like same same deal. I mean, sports are not a whole lot to do in Iowa, you know. I mean, there's, I mean, University of Iowa football. I mean, obviously, I'm an Iowa grad. Same same deal with Iowa State, but like Saturdays, like that. I mean, no pro sports teams. Like that's everything, you know. That's the biggest game in town, and. And same deal with Pat and and Diggs and Nick, those guys being from Pittsburgh, you know, it's like we, everyone who lives in here uh, or who lives here and works here, like we kind of, we're, I'd say we come from like blue collar cities where like sports is like a very important fabric of like the city and it's how, it's how people come together, you know? And I think it's probably part of the reason why all of us get along, because like you said, we don't have anyone who grew up in New York city or grew up in LA and who just had a vastly different upbringing than kind of everyone else in there. And then kind of to that same point, football centric too. that all you guys are football centric. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, But to your point about, you know, the 
East Coast bias or the the West Coast, you know, the Hollywoodization of everything. I think a massive part of us kind of like our, you know, I don't want to say atmospheric rise, but during COVID, you know, we're in the Midwest and we only have 13 people in the office. We have a big office. So like we, we could spread out, you know, like I we, could, we yep. could still go into work. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how many people actually did it, but we didn't miss, we didn't miss one show during COVID. Amazing. We did it every single day, you know, and it's like, and then you look at if we would have been in New York or LA, like everyone told Pat when he first started doing this and, and decided that Indianapolis was where we're going to be. Like if we would have been in either one of those places, we probably would have been fucked. I mean, we, you know, it's like, I, it, it wouldn't have had the same impact. hundred, oh, a thousand. You might've, you, it would have been four of you guys in a zoom box. That would have been the show. Exactly. And I think that's what really helped also, you know, like I said, I mean, that, that, that's what helped really grow the show was, I think we we were able to give people a sense of normalcy still. You know, it's like all this crazy fucked up shit's going on, but like all these guys are still here in the same room talking about whatever, laughing, enjoying themselves. And I think a lot of people during COVID when they were locked down, you know, like we used to have AJ on quite a bit, but that was when we started McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. And that was when he was like, from there on out, he's on the, he's on the show for the last two hours every single day. You know, like that was the that was the genesis of that. And I do think that that is a massive reason why we grew so quickly was because we were able to to keep doing the show and not miss a beat during COVID when everyone else kind of had to come to a standstill. Hundred percent, I think that's right. Um, you also mentioned too, uh, sort of shows of blue collar feel. Um, I, I, I am a New Yorker and I, I did grow up around there, but I lived in Buffalo for six years and it's a show that feels like would totally fit in Buffalo, New York, like what you guys do. So I, I do in some sense, um, get that. I want to ask you one thing. I mean, this is kind of now at this point been, I feel like answered, um, you know, I had Burke Magnus on and I directly asked him about you guys, um, in terms of being able to choose your own guests, um, who are not necessarily non-ESPN, but who compete against ESPN people. That's really the more interesting thing. And he was ridiculously uh, like transparent and like, I'm telling you on the record, like we bought this show. We didn't create this show. They have a formula. We're going to trust them. They can have anybody they want on. I saw Rappaport now is obviously going to do his own NFL insider show on NFL Network. So maybe his timing's off. But from your side, my sense is that Magnus is being accurate here. Like, no one has told you that anybody is off limits. They just say, like, hey, if you also want to have our people on, you have carte blanche to have them on, too. Yeah, that's the way I understand it. And I think Pat, like, Pat negotiated that when he got to ESPN. I think he was very steadfast on, like, the, hey, I, listen, I have my people. You know, like, we have our people that we've had on the show a bunch, and I'm I'm not okay with just cutting all them loose because we're on ESPN right now, because I think in a sense, you know, I mean, it's not the same thing, but if they're kind of hamstringing who we can have on the show, then in a way that is kind of like choosing the content or like having a say in the way the show's developed. And, and again, like you mentioned, like that it's, it's Pat's show. It's his baby. He created it from the get go. Like, and a lot of people, you know, that was one of the things a lot of people were bitching about when we uh, when we first announced the move to ESPN. It was, oh, it's not going to be the same and and, and all that. You're going to have to conform to what ESPN wants you to do. But 
you know, in terms of like guests and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think it's been one of those things where, Hey, like, obviously if we have talent in house who could be good for something on your show, we'd love for you to use them, but they're in no way, shape or form. Can you only use ESPN talent moving forward? Because we have, we've built, you know, quite the Rolodex of people who don't just work at ESPN over the last six years. Yeah, the other thing too is, um, like the lack of cursing is is a total overrated play. I'll give you the perfect example. Pat's Pat Pat was on WWE programming for how long? Did the guy yeah. have a curse yeah. on there? No, exactly. because you basically, as a when you're when you're a performer or when you're on air, you you pretty much seamlessly sort of flow into whatever that like production sort of demands or tells you to do so if it's a free-flowing forum like your youtube show has been well people will fly with f-bombs all the time because like it's not a big deal if you're if you know right you're going to be on a network that like has advertisers you don't want cursing or has like the fcc that doesn't want you cursing you guys are going to like adapt to it in like 10 10 minutes so um you know I, I, maybe one or two will slip but my sense is, again, from you as a staffer, like, I, I would think this is even an issue for you guys. No. And, you know, I mean, I, I think we are still going to be able to swear. I think, again, that was something that was was talked oh, about. Right? Are there certain, maybe certain, did Pat negotiate yeah. certain well, words? Well, Pat, Pat did say, like, hey, listen, we're not going to be up there saying fuck every other word because we don't right. want to alienate or, you know, get rid of, like, a, a chunk of the audience. But I think a lot of people either don't remember or just didn't know, like, we were on Westwood one in like 2019 or so. It's like, that's terrestrial radio, you that's know, right. Like, you, you, that, that is a, nothing can slip through. You know what I mean? Like you can't, that's actually tougher than standards than ESPN. In fact, for sure. ESPN's cable. Yeah. So like, we, so we've, we've done this song and dance before and, and yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where you're just going to mute yourself and oh i can't can't get this in because i can't make this point without saying fuck like that's you know i mean that that's ludicrous to think so yeah like are we going to be saying fuck as much definitely not um but i don't think the the content of the show as a whole is going to change all that much and it's yeah like you mentioned like it's not like i'm sitting over here thinking like oh my god how am i going to get up there and and do the show and talk for three hours without being able to to swear a bunch. Like I'm, we definitely still will swear, but right. But it's like you're a you're, you're a father. You're not swearing around your kid. Like you could. Oh, you, yeah, there's exactly. different parts of you, right? It's. I mean, it's just you know, human beings can adapt. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One of the interesting things about you is that you're really a product of like um, a different kind of media career path. So... You have a BA in cinema and communication studies from Iowa, okay? So, uh, and I know that uh, your aspiration, and still is your aspiration, is to do screenwriting or is to write. So that's always been something important to you. After, by the way, courtesy of your uh, Iowa uh, College uh, magazine, I'm, I'm getting all the details from you, Todd. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Sure. <laughs> Good job by them. Um, so you, after graduation, you move home. You take a mm -hmm. sales job. You're trying to figure out um, what you're going to do. 
Pat McAfee sends out a tweet on Twitter, basically soliciting video applications for internships at his new company in Indianapolis. You decide to go for it. There's 1,500 people who apply for this thing. And at a certain point, you get it down to 70. You're one of the seven, the you know, like one of 70 people who are a finalist. And then at that point, and this is really interesting to me, you kind of make a decision like you're going for this. I mean, we're not talking one out of three here, right? We're talking one out of 70. So there must have been a part of you, like inherently, that's like, you know what? Like I fit for this guy. Like it's, I feel like it's going to work. So why was that? Why did you think it was going to work? Um, I, you know, it's tough to say. I think part of it was a, you know, like the job I had was pretty good and I was, I was good at it. I was making pretty decent money, but it was one of those things where like I was coming home every single night, working long hours in sales, you know, working on weekends, missing NFL games, missing college football games. Um, and it's just like, do I want to do this shit the rest of my life? You know, it got to the point kind of where it's like, if I don't make a decision right now, 10 years from now, I'm going to be looking back and I'm going to be doing the same thing. Yeah. Maybe in a different city, maybe I'm elevated in the, in the company, you know, with a a higher role or like a a better paying role, but like, I hate this shit. I don't want to keep doing this. And I just, I knew that if, if I didn't kind of, I think it's one of those things where I just, I wanted to put the pressure on myself where it's like, this is, this is what we're going after. You know, like, let's put all the chips in the center here. If I, if I quit this job and commit everything to this, like, and if I don't get it, well, at least I, at least I did everything I could to to try to do it. But I think part of it too was for what he was looking for at the time, you know, because it, it was obviously much different than it is now. Like I wasn't looking to be like an on-air talent or like, you know, it's not like I was. Hey, I want to be the co-host on your show or anything like that. I was, I was writing blogs and, um, and that was kind of it. And at the time, you know, it was Barstool Heartland. So it was still kind of like that offshoot of that. So I, I knew there was maybe a role in, in there, um, that I could kind of to seize a little bit, but I think I had, I had confidence in myself and it's funny because yeah. So of the, of all those people that, that got, um, asked to come to Indianapolis to actually interview in person, they did it alphabetically. So we were sitting in the basement of our old office. And I think I was like the second or the third to last person um, to get interviewed on the first day. And Pat and Diggs and Nick and all the guys, they were just wiped out. I mean, they had seen like 65 people. So they uh, they looked at my video and I just did impressions on there kind of, you know, and again, I was, I was fairly confident in, in those and just like, you know, being able to make people laugh with those. I didn't really know how many, how far I could, I could take that and whether or not I'd have like an avenue to actually do anything with that. But I got up there and told him I quit my job to come, you know, uh, kind of pursue this. And he was just like, all right, well, fuck it. You're on to the next round. You know, they were, they were exhausted already. So like, I think just that in itself, like kind of showed, Pat that I was, I was serious about it. Like, and cause I, I was looking at, you know, again, I don't know this for a fact, but a lot of people that were doing that fresh out of college, you know, I think we're kind of just like, Oh, it'd be cool to have on like a resume or like this would be cool to just kind of jack off all summer and, and say I worked for Pat McAfee or whatever, you know, and then I'll go do what I'm actually going to do. Like for me, it was, 
like, no, I'm, I'm moving down here to get a full-time job. Like I want to do this for a living. So, um, yeah, I just like submitted a couple, you know, um, like I live blogged all of like the interviews the following day. So I made it to the final 20 and then we actually had the full summer where the office wasn't built yet. And it was kind of, you know, we, we had, there were spans where it'd be like three weeks and me and, you know, a couple of the guys who do work here now, like we'd be sitting in our apartments, just kind of getting drunk all day, every day. Like it was almost like a college summer again, but then the office finally got done. We, we moved in there and kind of slowly, but surely um, it was kind of one of those things where just whenever you got an opportunity to kind of step up and show that you could handle something or like be of use or be of value, um, you just take those opportunities and run with them. Did um at the end of the internship, like, were, is that when you were hired or were you hired during the internship to be a full-time person? Um, so, so at the very end of the summer, they took seven people um, from the final like 25 or whatever it was. And, and we got hired technically. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then when we left Barstool, which I can't remember when that was, um, a couple people went and worked for Barstool and Pat kept like uh, five of us. And those are the the same five guys that are still here now from when we originally interned. So you, so basically since once you quit the sales job, you moved to Indy and you've been in Indy since that's, that became your home. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it was uh, March of, I, th- I want to say, I think it was 2017, but it might've been March of 2018. Um, that's when the interviews were, when I found out I got the internship. Yeah. I, I moved to Indy in May and I've been here ever since. Oh, listen, man, that's uh, fortune favors the bold. That is it. That's a, that's a good story to tell. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, a couple more things. You, um, you, you, you may have at the moment the current best Lou Holtz impression in the United States. Was that one of the things that you... I sold these guys on because you're I don't know if you can do it on demand but it's I don't think I've heard a better Holtz impression ever well listen Richard I can do it on demand I can do it pretty much whenever I want to I've actually been doing a Lou Holtz since I was about 10 years old so it could, I've been doing this for you know going on almost 25 years now so I can kind of just Slip in and slip out of it whenever I want to. Ugh. But yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> too good, too good. So, so I, I, did, I appreciate that. Uh, that I think I can't remember what else I did. I did a Jim Rome, uh, maybe a Gruden at the time because that was you know still kind of you know a lot of people were doing it. Um, who else did I do? Bill Walton. I might have done like a Bill Simmons. I kind of just did like a, a chopped a bunch together, but I. I can't remember when I actually first did Lou Holtz for, I, I know I did Harry Carey. I think that was the first thing I ever did on his show, but um, yeah, the, the Lou Holtz thing. And then we just got lucky. Pat went and 
and kicked uh, like a, a halftime field goal at a, a Colts game. Um, I want to say like two years ago, maybe. And they had him put like an old man mask on like a one that was made in Hollywood. That was very good. And he brought it back. So I started just putting that thing on and then the Notre Dame had the glasses and kind of completed the look. So that's actually one thing that I'm very interested to see with ESPN with Lou Holtz being a former employee there. Yeah, like no, too, it's, it, it, it's, yeah, you're not getting any blowback for that. Those, the, that's, that's, that's in the past. I mean, uh, you know, if if you're if you're mocking a current employee, could get a little political, but yeah, nah, yeah. You, you you'd be fine with Holtz. Um, all right, a couple more things here before I let you go. I I read that um, you guys have been trying to book uh, Caitlin Clark. Uh, you know, from your alma mater, the uh, the best athlete on campus. How's that been going so far? Yeah, it's. I mean, it it's one of those things where I think we had an opportunity to to get her during the NCAA tournament, I want to say either like the first or the second weekend. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know if timing didn't work or like they were traveling to like the, the next host city. And then obviously she goes fucking bonkers from there on out and is basically averaging a triple double and she's getting, you know, 30,000 requests. So hopefully, um, hopefully at some point this year, we'll be able to, to get her. And I, I don't, I don't know, like we, this is one of the things we kind of talked about with, going to ESPN and like why we're excited about uh, about the move is like there's a chance where in the middle of December or like, you know, late January during the week when, you know, there's no NFL on or anything. It's like if we wanted to go do the show live from like Carver Hawkeye arena before an Iowa women's basketball game, like we have that opportunity now, whereas and they'll be and they'll be on ESPN's airwaves a couple of times. So there's real tying into that. Exactly. Where in the past, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a novelty idea. That'd be cool. But like, there's no way in hell. Like, what do we, I mean, you're going to have to go through the SID. You're going to have to do all this different stuff. And again, all that stuff's falling on Pat's plate to kind of figure that out. And now we're at the point where hopefully it's as easy as like, uh, hey, you know, yeah, Iowa's playing Indiana. It's a, a matchup of two top five teams. Like, we'd love to do the show on campus and get an interview with Caitlin Clark before the game. And I think now with being at ESPN, like that's much more of a reality, obviously than it ever would have been. The, my, my sense is maybe, um, you know, maybe, maybe this goes through Pat and he's intentionally trying to sort of give you guys a little bit of runway here, but like, have you sat in like large meetings yet with like ESPN, um, Ex- maybe executive is a little too strong a word, but you know what I mean? Like, like ESPN people who are, who like the McAfee show would sort of run up into, or for someone doing what you're doing, is that ultimately going to sort of fall on Pat and you guys, um, you don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. See, I, I don't think there's going to be to like, we have, there's a couple people at ESPN who have come out to Indianapolis and who have come to the office and who we've kind of sat down and, and talked to. They've been here for a few days, but I don't think there really haven't been too many like, oh, everyone's got to get on this Zoom call and we got to iron all this stuff out. I'll, we'll see. I mean, it's possible. Like uh, Pat mentioned on the show, we're, um, we're going to do the show live from Alabama when Alabama plays Texas in week two on Friday. Um, so that might be one of those things where beforehand, you know, we have to kind of get in these meetings and, and see what's going on. But I would guess that that's more going to fall on like our tech guys figuring out like the camera set up and the mics and all that kind of stuff. So 
I would guess that that probably won't be something that I have to be too heavily involved in. But I, I mean, I guess we'll see as we move forward here. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Last two for me. Uh, and maybe you guys already have a setup for this. Um, like, is there a se- I mean, you know, I guess maybe the setup is Pat would just do this from like a hotel room. But if somehow travel comes up where like he can't get he can't be in Indianapolis let's say on a Monday after his game day responsibilities does the show then just exist with Pat from wherever he can get a internet connection and pop on there or is there someone who comes in as the uh I I hate to use this word but like replacement host for the day no I think most of the time I mean again you know that's kind of one of the reasons why I think we've been successful too is like we've done the show out of the back of box trucks, you know, in parking lots where it's like, there's no way in hell this thing should work, but you know, we've, we've managed to figure it out and get on the air and still be live. Um, and many times, you know, Pat has ended up just hosting the show from his laptop in like a hotel or something like that. If it was a very like weird case where it's like, Oh, there's no internet or he absolutely could not be on the show for whatever reason, It'd probably be the type of thing where AJ would just host the first hour as well. But a lot of times when we do that too, like if there are issues when we start the show, Pat will pop in either in like the second hour or the third hour. So typically, you know, I mean, that that is one of the things is over the course of this, you know, we, we've traveled a lot. I mean, in 2000, when we were on Westwood one and the zone and he was calling Thursday night football games uh, and then started doing game day in like the back half of the season we were also, he was also on get up on Mondays and we were doing the show on Mondays from uh, the world trade center. So we were on like six flights a week, just all over the country, you know, new places, new studios. And we, we still always got the show up uh, live when, when it needed to go. So like in that sense, I think we've always been pretty resilient. And uh, again, I think that's one of the reasons people appreciate the show because it really is. It's like, you know, come 12 o'clock on a weekday, like you can almost guarantee that no matter what's going on, like we're going to be on the air. Last one for me. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm not going to get the quote right. But I remember Scott Van Pelt telling me something to the effect of like, once you can conquer television, it could never conquer you. And he and basically his point was that once you sort of don't become intimidated and obsessed by like that camera and like what it means and who's thinking what and what they think of you then you just let your content take over and it's you you guys have obviously been in front of cameras now for multiple years um you probably have some videos where like the youtubes are in the millions right so it's not really a question of have people seen you they've seen you that said, I wonder just for you in particular, like, will the first couple of days be on ESPN be nerve wracking at all just because you're thinking like, oh man, this is ESPN, this is television, you know, my parents grew up watching ESPN or maybe conversely, like because you've been on YouTube for so long, it's just going to be like another show. I'm wondering, you're not going to know it obviously until it happens, but 
How are you feeling about it as we get close to this? I think, honestly, I think it's probably a little bit of a mixture of both. I think waking up on that Thursday morning and like going in there, there might be like a, a little bit of like jitters and butterflies because it is like, oh, okay, like we are on ESPN now. Um, but I think once we get on stage and the lights come on and you sit down in there, like it's just, we've, we've repped it so many times, you know, like it, it is just another show, or at least I think that's the way you have to, you have to think about it because if I go up there, you know, and, and the lights come on and the cameras turn on and I'm thinking like, oh shit, we're on ESPN, we're on ESPN. Like I will probably suck that day, you know? And it, and it's like, that's not, that's not what you want to do right out of the jump. Um, so I think it'll be one of those things where after the fact, it'll probably be like, uh, there'll be some serious like reflection and introspection where it's like, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. And that was kind of nerve wracking, but I just think we've done we've done it so many times and you know we're not on some sound stage or in some studio on at like the seaport district in new york you know like we're on, i mean it's a it's a it's a home game you know it's like nothing nothing changes i'm expected to go out there and do the same things that i've done for the last five years and i think if we do that like we're gonna put on a great show it's gonna be funny it's gonna be entertaining and um and we won't have any any time to really worry about like, oh, well, what are we going to do because it's on ESPN now? You got the first show booked already? First show guest booked? Are they? Is it all set? I, I think there are a couple uh, names kind of floating around in there, but it's one of those things where you don't you don't want to you know don't publicly say that stuff and yeah, put ourselves right. in a bind and have have no one show up come Thursday. So we'll we'll uh, we'll be paying attention to that. Obama yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> Barry Sanders. Yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Chuck Long. Um, just awesome. <laughs> give give it to the <laughs> I one. All right. Ty Schmidt is the producer as well as an on-air personality for the Pat McAfee show. They are launching on multiple ESPN platforms on Thursday, September 7th. That is also the same day the NFL season kicks off. You'll be able to see that show on ESPN uh, from noon to two. So big ESPN. ESPN on YouTube and ESPN Plus throughout. Um, this is, um, ESPN has now let everybody know, a very, very big initiative for them. You know, they're essentially now, their block is like to go from Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. Smith, to Pat McAfee. So, Ty Schmidt is, uh, um, not to put more pressure on him, but he's part of like one of the three sort of big shows that they are investing in when it comes to their, uh, their morning programming on their most important properties. Ty, I can't thank you enough, man. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Uh, I wish you and the fellas nothing but the uh, the best of success. But um, you've already built, you already have built an audience in a show. So I, I think in some ways, um, it's probably going to be seamless too, in, in many ways. But uh, can't thank you enough. Hope you come back, and uh, thanks for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Richard. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. This ESPN ride should be fun. Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm not the one that fucks it up. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thank you, Ty. Yep, you bet. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to uh, Ty Schmidt for uh, his time and his insight. If you like these uh, conversations, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note uh, wherever you get your podcast. That is how this podcast continues. Podcast prior to this one was uh, NBC Sports Big Ten analyst Todd Blackledge and Kendall Baker of Yahoo Sports on sports newsletters and uh, Jenny Carlson on uh, former and longtime. Uh, columnist for the Oklahoman, um, forming her uh, 
colleagues forming their own uh, digital website, selloutcrowd.com. We'll see how that goes. Chris Fowler of ESPN was a guest on this podcast on August 23rd. Mark J. Spears of ESPN on August 21st. Uh, ESPN president Burke Magnus appeared in August on this podcast. Uh, as did Stuart Mendel, my colleague at The Athletic, to uh, talk about television meteorites again. Um, there should be uh, Becky, which was on this podcast in August as well. There should be some guests that we appreciate if you want to head to the archives. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. Thank you for listening to this season Sports Media Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.